you know, you really can't change people. The only thing you can do is change, change the way you see them and the way that you, that you approach things and the way you act. Um, I would have never said that to you a couple years ago. Um, you know, I've had a lot of coaches throughout my career playing basketball and, and that really have been, I guess you could say those transactional coaches that just, you know, did whatever it took to win and, and just made you kind of feel like you just, you're, you're, you were just a piece of the puzzle to, you know, to what they wanted. And I haven't had really anybody show me, you know, the way to, the way to do things, the way to treat people, the way to connect with your team, to, to build that bond and that those relationships and so so when I when I started to work with JP um I, you know I really to be honest with you I was like oh man I'm excited you know I'll be able to to change my players and get them to be more committed and blah 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 and better players and and uh but anyway we I, what I was totally I was totally wrong was the fact that what changed was me and the things that I was doing and, and my how intentional I was with what I did and how I did it and and how intentional now I've become with what I say to my players and how it matters and and the way I you know talk to them. Um, I've always been a coach that that have been have just kind of told my players what to do and how to do it, and now I'm giving them autonomy and um, it's been it's been an incredible journey the past few years. Um, not only is my team. You know, I know that my teams have improved. My relationship with my players has improved tenfold. Uh, my my relationship with my my kids that's what's been that's what's been been awesome is especially with my oldest. Uh, you know, I was having troubles connecting. I think with her, and you know, through some, just a few exercises that we did, uh, it's incredible the the bond and our the relationship I have now with my with my oldest daughter, and the relationship I have with my wife has improved. Um, I now uh, journal every day, something <laughs> that I never did. Uh, I now get up early in the morning and, and, and read every day, which is something I never did as well. Uh, but I love those things now. And it, it's just to, to see the impact and my happiness grow. And through that happiness, to see my you know, improvement in coaching and, and speaking and just my confidence improve. Um, I know it, I owe a ton to, to JP and, and uh, you know, he's really, you know, helped me improve myself. And in doing so, you know, it's, it's definitely improved my, my, my program and my relationship and my life. This week on the podcast, we are going to continue our conversation with Will Ray, diving into one of the side effects of becoming a transformational coach. And you just heard a little bit in the intro there from Tyler, who is a basketball and golf coach out in Utah that's in the mentorship program that we got to meet at the retreat this summer, talking about how you can't become a transformational coach without you yourself being transformed. I think one of the things that's most motivating and exciting for us as we work with coaches is to see the effect of becoming transformational, not just on your team or your culture or your program, in the context of sports, but on the relationships that you have throughout your life with your family, with your kids, with your students. And that's what we're going to be diving into on this week's episode. Welcome to the Coaching Culture Podcast. I'm JP Nurbin alongside my co-host, Nate Sanderson. And every week in 30 minutes or less, we're giving you transformational leadership tools and strategies. This podcast is brought to you by Thrive on Challenge, which provides mentorship for coaches to help them grow as a coach and build their culture. You can learn more at thriveonchallenge.com. 
You're listening to episode 102, The Transformation Includes You, with our guest, Will Ray. This is part two in our two-part series with Coach Ray. Now, just a quick heads up. My book, Calling Up, is now available for online purchase through Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, and you can pick it up at some of your local bookstores as well. Though I'll just full disclosure, it will probably not be in the New York Times bestseller section, but I do have a special bonus that I will be giving out for anybody who purchases uh, on those platforms. And I'll tell you more about it at the end of this episode. So now let's pick right up in the second half of our conversation with Coach Will Ray, who was on last week's episode sharing his coaching journey and the impact that being fired as a Division I coach, uh, that impact and how it's, it's shaped him, not just as a coach, but as a person. Uh, someone once asked me, in fact, it was when I first took this position here at, at Northridge, uh, one of the uh, persons that interviewed me for the position asked me, what, what do you need in order to do the job well? <laughs> Great question, right? And I thought for a second, I said, you know what I need? I need to be able to have a certain amount of time each day in solitude. In other words, I can't be so busy all day long that I can't take time, you know, I, and I think I kind of surprised him and possibly the committee that was interviewing me with that answer. I think one of the most essential or one of the essential uh, aspects of, of good leadership is to spend time in solitude, to be able to think and to be able to ask questions and to journal, perhaps. I, I like to journal a lot. I've got notebooks everywhere with thought, and I should probably get rid of them because sometimes I, you know, write down things that, um, you know, about myself or things I need to get better at. But, you know, I think that time of, of, of solitude to to think, to think through your players, for example. Okay, what does this particular guy need today? What about this other fella or this other player? You know, what's, what's he struggling with? You know, okay, maybe I can help him with his confidence by making a statement or, do, you know, whatever. I mean, if, if a coach or a leader doesn't take time to think about his, his group that he's leading, or even to ask questions of of oneself. I mean, and I always say to coaches, I say, well, I just don't have the time to spend time in solitude to do that every day. And I said, that's precisely why you don't have the time is because you don't spend time in solitude. You need to carve out this time every day, you know, whether that time of prayer or time of, of, uh, of reflection. uh, And that's the word I was looking for rather than meditation time of reflection. Uh, If you don't spend that time every day, I don't see how you can arrive at these deeper, more impactful um, thoughts uh, absent that. So, Coach, I just so many awesome things you're talking about there. And, 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 and one thing I want to come back to earlier is just kind of how you were talking about how you walk the journey with the players. But just to, to, to hop off that solitude piece, I mean, we just came back from the retreat in Utah and we did a lot with solitude. I think it's becoming harder and harder in today's day and age to find that. Largely just technology. We can find solitude if we just put our phones away for once, you know. And then the journaling aspect, uh, I do that a lot of work with coaches on that. So I'd really like to explore. But I just, I think that is so important as a leader that we are having that time where we can go and be reflective. So uh, love to hear that, and that's so powerful. Could you kind of talk a little bit more about kind of just some of the how you came about uh, the journaling kind of habit there, and, and maybe share some other tips for coaches that are interested in that because. I know it's just it's just great to have somebody else affirm uh, how valuable that that tool is. Yeah, well, I, actually, I started that uh, JP probably. I'm trying to think now, 
Uh, I might have been, um, I think it was after it was after I was fired as a head coach, um, and I started doing some, like I said, drilling down a little bit deeper and thinking more about my purpose as a coach. And uh, yeah, I just you know take a notebook and you know list the names of all the players, assistant coaches, and start going through each and every one of them. You know, and a lot of this was uh, really an outgrowth of my own personal prayer life, but you know just thinking about each individual, what does this person need? What can I do to help this guy? Um, you know, how can I coach this individual better? What are his struggles? How can I address them? Uh, what does our team need right now? You know, and this might be uh, exercises in the off, that I do in the off season. You know, what, what do I need to do to improve? How can I help this coach on our staff? How can I improve my, my relationships with those around me? Uh, and, and it doesn't just, um, it's not just about my the, the players, but also my, you know, my own personal relationship, my family, with my friends, you know. So just um, you know, it, it's amazing the, uh, the 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 depths of of insight that you can gain if you just take the time to do it, you know. And you know, sometimes you know, you, maybe you end up you know down a path that maybe you know it's not really the the solution that you need right then and there. But sometimes I might just write something down and and then think about it and come back to it a few days later or a month later or several months later and. And so journaling for me has been a, a great way to uh, help me focus my, 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 my thought process. And you know, sometimes I just sit there and just think about what, you know, and not a specific goal or target, but just kind of open, open-ended, just, you know, what thoughts come to mind. And, and maybe that leads me to think about something in particular that might be helpful to, to me or to our team, you know. I just want to come back to one other thing you said earlier, and I appreciate you sharing about the, how you, the journaling uh, tips there, but you kind of talked about earlier about how you you talk with your players about how you're you're not perfect and you're kind of walking the journey with them and and i think that is absolutely so important i think so often when it comes to transformational coaching and and kind of joe airman talks about this a little bit inside out uh coaching we have this messiah complex or we're like i see myself and my role is to fix people is to fix these kids and that's not the right approach, right? It's it's about not at all the journey where we're growing together. There's a level of vulnerability when you have when you say that to your players, like I'm not perfect, that I think they can just connect with you when when we have that approach. Um, and you've also realized that you know that the fulfillment comes from your ability to have an impact on other people, but also to have growth yourself, right? Like the, like my mentor Jamie Gilbert always said, there's only two things that really matter today or any other day it's who we are becoming and the impact we have on others who we are becoming the impact we have on others i just i just can't commend you enough for that approach i'm sure your players really latch on to that whole like we're walking this journey together yeah yeah i think as much as anything jp you know it's honest right and i've always felt in dealing with uh, with adolescent boys and and young men that um you know, it seems to me that one of the things that, that, that they really don't, uh, they, they don't, it's not attractive to them is, is adults who are condescending or who, you know, feel they have every answer to every problem or that have them figured out, you know, type thing. And so, um, you know, I, I've always said that adolescent uh, boys, young men have the most uh, a keen or acute antenna system of probably at any point in the human, in human, uh, in the human development of a person, right? They, they can they, they can uh, spot the least smack of phoniness in adults, right? Yet their peers will sometimes lead them down paths they shouldn't go down, right? They don't see the necessarily the phoniness or or or, or uh, 
the, the, the you know they don't see the, they're not transparent with their own peers. But boy, they're, 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 I think that's motivated a lot by their desire to, to you know to answer the question: What does it take to be an authentic man or an authentic woman? Right. So they're looking to adults for that, um, you know, for, for that paradigm. And when they see phoniness or or condescension or arrogance, I think that really turns them off. Right. So. You know, being transparent and being honest, and guys, we're walking. You know, the most important person I need to straighten out first and foremost is myself. You know, it's it's not them. I can't help anyone else if I don't help myself first and foremost, right? You know, the, the whole notion of self mastery to me is to me is one of the most powerful messages that we can give anyone. I mean, you know, it's 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 master yourself. You're the captain of your your own ship. You know the you know you're you're the pilot of your of your own plane. I mean, you you have to get yourself in order first. Right. And we're all works in progress. I mean, no one, no one ever arrives. Right. So, yeah, I mean, to me, it's, it's, it's not only an honest approach, but I, you know, I, I think one of the best things I can do with my team is when I make mistakes is to apologize to them. I tell them, I mean, I hope I'm not doing it every day, but you know, I, you know, when, when I make a mistake, when I maybe, you know, maybe I, I sometimes I might be too critical of the team after a bad performance or whatever it might be. And I reflect on it in my time of, of solitude. I come back the next day and say, Hey guys, the way I responded yesterday, what was not the best response, and I apologize for that. To me, I think that's a formative uh, moment for me and for them, because I'm modeling for them that you know, real man, a real man does say I'm sorry, you know, when he makes a mistake, and I'm not above that. I'm not above making mistakes, and I'm not ab above apologizing for them when I do. Well, coaches, we get ready to wrap up here. I, I have two questions for you here. Um, and you've kind of addressed them a little bit, but I'm just curious, you know, you mentioned as you've gone through your journey, there are some things I wish I would have maybe done differently or an approach. Maybe I could have done something um, in a different way when I was younger. And I'm just curious because we have coaches that are in so many different places in their journey. They're listening to the podcast. What advice would you give to young Will Ray right before he took his first job? You know, 150 years ago when you were, Grabbing the whistle for the first time. Yeah, I know, feel what, like, I feel like it's been about 150 years ago. Yeah. What advice would you give to give to yourself if you could go back as you're starting your career? Yeah, that that that's a wonderful question. Um, yeah, I, I think probably something along the lines of, um, you know, I, I once read a book that was titled "Make the Big Time Where You Are." It was written by a football coach. Um, at Pacific, yeah, Frosty Westering at Pacific Lutheran. And, and the title of that book has always stayed with me ever since I first read it and read the book. I just wish I would have had that book about 20 years earlier in my career. Um, and, you know, I, I think if you realize that it's not about climbing a ladder uh, and, and, and don't be distracted by the, um, by the allure of, you know, just professional success, but just stay really closely rooted in your overarching purpose. I think that would be the, the advice I would give a younger version of myself would say, look, man, remember why you got into this. Um, and just wherever you are, that's where you make the big time. You know, you don't have to be in an arena with 15,000 people. You don't have to be at the highest level of collegiate coaching. You don't have to be at the highest level of high school or whatever. You don't have to be anywhere but where you are and you can have an influence on, you know, if you influence one person uh, and he influences one or two others, you know, right exponentially, we're influencing 
generations. And that's that's the whole idea, right? So that that would be the probably the the, the advice I would give myself. And, and if I had a chance to start it all over again, I would have done a much better job of that. But again, you know, I, I go back to the notion of a, that inclined plane and the gradual awakening, right? Um, I don't know if that was possible. I don't know that I had the insight, the maturity, the mentoring from others, perhaps, or maybe I wasn't open to it to the extent that I would like to have been. So um, I, I always say it's a gradual process uh, of growth, and it's been that for me. So that that would be the way I would look at it. Um, yeah, and I, I'll say one one other thing. If, if I I don't know if we're running over our time here, just you know, give me throw a couple of tomatoes at me and give me the hook here. But uh, um, you know, one of the real disturbing trends, and, I, and this is why I think the work that you guys are doing, Nate and JP, I think you're this is really great great stuff. I just read uh, or saw actually recently that the Aspen Institute um, did a study on. Uh, the participation numbers of young people in, in sports. I don't know if you guys are privy to that information or not, or have seen it, but I think they reported that in 2008, about 48% of young people were involved in sports. And then they did another study in 2018 and they've seen a 10% decline to 38%. And, uh, and, and, and I, you know, you wonder why, well, I, I suppose you can make a li long list of reasons, you know, uh, young people have more, uh, you know, battling for their time today than perhaps we had when we were growing up. As JP mentioned, technology and, you know, so many opportunities to be to do so many other things, right? But I have to believe that the experience is a big part of that. And so are we giving the kind of experience to young people that's going to draw them into the sport and keep them in the sport for as long as they're able to play, right? So I guess I, I would challenge... Uh, uh, myself and especially would challenge young people who are starting out as coaches today to uh, realize that the experience is the name of the game, right? Is what they become, not what we accomplish in terms of wins and losses. That'll take care of itself and it, it'll be good. But it's who we become and what we become uh, as a result of this experience that's going to last. So that, that, that would be my, my, my two points of uh, suggestions or advice for a younger coach. Um, if, if I had the opportunity to do it over again, that's what I wish I would have done better. One of the things that's so, I think, powerful about the story that you've told is your willingness to be candid about being fired. And I think in the coaching industry, you know, we talk about championships and we look at what makes successful programs work, but we don't often really take a lens to what it's like to experience and feel failure. And I think a lot of times it's because it we feel shame, right? When we don't win enough games or we don't meet expectations or we have consecutive losing seasons or whatever. And yet, as I listen to you sort of talk about the process, the reflective process, and really finding the value in being fired, you know, I think back to a, a podcast that I listened to with Anson Dorrance here recently where he was quoting Jack Welch, who, who recommended that in a business, you go through and you fire your bottom 10% of your workers every year. And his point was that if you invested the same amount of resources in your top 90% that you did in your bottom 10%, just trying to bring them up, that your company would perform better. But what Coach Dorrance said was just by letting those people go or, or letting players transfer or, you know, not pursuing a job just because it's it seems like the right thing or the successful thing or the popular thing that if you lose a position, it really opens up a lot of opportunities that you may not have been cognizant of before 
because you're so worried about trying to grip so hard to the thing that you have. And, you know, as you talk about going through that process, I wonder if you could just speak to coaches about how to maybe think through some of our failures to be able to find positive outcomes on the other side. Yeah, that, that, that's a great question, Nate. I, um, well, first of all, I think when you look at, at the story of success um, in, in many, there's always a background of failure, right, at some level. Uh, you know, I, we, we've uh, spoken about John Wooden here, and uh, it's interesting, you know, John Wooden's great success came at the end of his career, his last 12 years of coaching. He had coached for over 40 years, and he had a lot of frustrations uh, in his early years at UCLA as well. Uh, you know, you're, I think everyone's familiar with the Abraham Lincoln story, right? You always hear about, you know, he failed in this, failed in that, and, you know, uh, you know, lost this office, lost that office, and eventually he, in 1860 he became the president of the United States or whatever. And I think if, if any time you peel back the layers, um, you, you always find that failure is there. And and, and, and part of the reason I, I really believe that, um, you know, and, and again, I, this kind of marries in very closely with my faith, I really believe that, that God brings uh, a lot of good out of life's most difficult trials. I really believe that. I mean, I, I, I have an overriding sense of that rooted in my faith, but I think it, it happens even for those who might not be uh, you know, people of faith necessarily, that there's a greater purpose, right? And that much good comes out of, out of struggle. And, you know, first of all, humility. I mean, it's, it's the greatest virtue, right? Humility and, and, and to, to be fired professionally uh, and, and to be told that you're not measuring up or not doing the job can be a very humbling experience. But I think that's a really good opportunity for growth, right? Because humility is, is a great virtue. Um, so, you know, for me, it was, you know, I found that I had to separate who I am as a person from what I was doing in terms of my professional success. And I think that's a good place for all of us to be in, even before we have to deal with a with a separation from a job situation or whatever, um, is that, you know, who you are is, is not the successful coach. Who you are is the, the, the man of character, hopefully an integrity that helps you uh, be of influence and, 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 and impact to others. And so for me, again, I, I find that, that having been uh, dismissed from my job was maybe one of the best things that's ever happened to me because it forced me to take a step back and, again, reassess and to uh, call to mind those things that were most important to me when I first started. And, you know, how far had I diverged from this path that I should have been on, you know? And so um, to me, it, 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 you know, I, I shudder to think what would have happened if I might have been very successful in that position and gone on to other things. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. I, maybe I, I wouldn't be uh, where I am today. And so I'm very at peace with where I am today, absent, uh, having had a lot of success as a division one head basketball coach, uh, because at the end of the day, that's not what's going to, um, uh, you know, that, that, that doesn't, uh, identify who I am. It, it doesn't, uh, it, it, you know, it, it doesn't, uh, you know, say this is who this man is, you know, it's, it's much greater than that. So I, I think that should be the, the, the case for all of us when we experience those difficulties and every coach will, you know, someone once said, Every coach is uh, either, you know, going to be fired or is fired, right? I mean, and, and you look at it, at least in basketball and probably in football and other sports as well, at least in the, in the revenue-producing sports, um, how many coaches really are able to step away from coaching on their own, on, on, you know, on, on their own without having, you know, some kind of a forced resignation or, you know, 
ushered down that path of retirement or whatever. Um, it's rare. If you really ex examine closely, it's very rare that coaches get out of this business on their own, right? So um, so I, I say is embrace embrace that opportunity. Get past your ego. Uh, you know, uh, realize that humility is greater than pride and um, use that as a, as a catapult or or use it as a launching pad for, for deeper growth and maturation as a person. So that's it for our conversation with Coach Ray. And I, I think Coach Ray has done an incredible job of really getting at what I would call the heart of transformational coaching. And I think this is so, so incredibly important. And that is that we are walking the journey with our players, right? And it's not just about fixing them. And it kind of brings me back to this quote, Nate, that I really, really love from Bob Goff. And I, I think it's in uh, his book, Love Does, where he says, I used to want to fix people, but now I just want to be with them. And I think so often in, in my journey as a transformational coach, I was trying to trying to fix my players. And, and I know Tyler shared some, some of that at the beginning of the, of the podcast as well on his approach. And I think this is so important, but that to do this to do this well, to be a really transformational coach, we've got to be creating space in our life for us to reflect, not just on our team, but to us, for us to reflect personally on ourselves. Now, one of the most impactful things uh, that coaches talked about from our retreat out in Utah, Nate, was this time of solitude that we actually built into uh, our three days with the coaches there. And, and when we initially proposed the idea, I know it was like, probably put some coaches like, well, what is this time of solitude where we're not gonna speak to each other for 12 to 14 hours, you know, and we're, but we're in this house together. And um, it was definitely something we challenged them with, but they really got a lot out of it. And it was something that you were adamant about doing at the retreat. Well, and Will had mentioned solitude as being one of the things that he found was foundational for his ability to coach well. And, you know, in my experience, I think that what we were trying to create for coaches, which I would recommend for coaches to find time to do this during their season and out of their season is essentially to give yourself some space where thoughts can emerge. I think sometimes we get, we get so busy and we get so consumed with not just our offense and our defense and our tactics and our practice plans, but there's so many other things that are going on in our life. It seems like our thought pattern is the urgent and the immediate to the next urgent and immediate. And there isn't space for your mind to start making connections to things that you've heard and things that you've read and discussions that you've had. And, and even to just sit back and think a little bit more deeply about what is your purpose and what are you trying to accomplish with your team? And I know for some coaches that might be a little intimidating to think about, but if you just consider the benefit of sensory deprivation, you know, whether that's silence or whether that's getting out in nature or whether that's sitting down with some music, whatever it might be, and just giving your mind an opportunity to relax and to see what thoughts emerge. And sometimes it's helpful to have some prompts for that. And other times it's helpful just to, to go out for a walk and be in nature as we did on the retreat. If you're looking for things to think about, to kind of challenge your mind with a little bit, again, it may just be focused thought on what does my team need right now? I mean, this is a question that I work with our coaches that we mentor with all the time, like trying to be able to diagnose what does our team need from me this week? Another thing that Coach Ray had mentioned is, um, I think there's power in individual affirmations for players and just taking some time to think about where's Johnny at? What could I say to Johnny this week? What could I write to them, text to them, speak to them that was going to 
really matter to where they are right now. And those, those things don't just happen serendipitously all the time. Like it takes some thought and reflection to be able to, to connect maybe a little bit deeper with your players in that way. Um, and I think the last one that we already mentioned a little bit is just drilling into your why, you know, there's, in times of struggle, my first year at Lindmar particularly, there's a lot of times where I just sat in a room by myself and thought, what are we doing here? Like, why, why are we here? But I think there's value in coming back to that question just to, to, to be refocused on what is your ultimate purpose, regardless of what your outcomes may be at the time. Yeah, and I think when people hear about solitude, sometimes they think that, like, well, I have to do this on some sort of mountain, you know, at the top, you know, and, like, reflective. But, and, and this is for me, like, when, when, when Will started talking about the journaling aspect, obviously I was really, really excited because that's something that's been so profound in my life. Um, and, you know, Tyler talked about it at the beginning of the podcast, and so many coaches I've worked with have started to build this habit. And I think it's kind of, for, for people, like, <laughs> I have some severe ADHD, so... I for just sitting there and, and looking at a wall or sitting there and looking out over like a, a sunset would not be my way of, of experiencing solitude, but being able to really use the power of, uh, of journaling is, is very, very um, effective for me. And, and one of the things I just kind of want to share a couple of activities that I found to be really, really effective. Cause I think when people hear journaling, they're thinking, well, what am I writing? Like a diary of like what happened in my day. And it's really not that, uh, you know, I will actually shared one where you kind of writing down that player's name, and talking about what does that person need in that moment. For me, often it was writing down every player um, on my team's name, and then it's writing down the things that I'm seeing in them, the growth that I'm seeing in them, and it's really kind of retraining my my heart posture towards them because I think so often, especially with certain players that are our most challenging and but most in need of our love, we can have this 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 heart posture towards them where we see the negative. And I think for me, I really had to take time every morning to reflect on the positives that are happening with that person. The other thing is I can get very anxious, right? Anxiety, the stress, and all the things that go on in our lives and, and kind of working through those things to focus on what's important because there's a lot of things that are urgent or pressing on our time as a coach, but we really need to be, have that moment. Sometimes it's five minutes in that morning where we can be able to decipher between that. And it's just, you know, one of my favorite things to do is on a piece of paper is on that in my journal is just, important and pressing on either side of the paper and just write down all the things that I'm thinking about and just putting them in those categories and then being able to prioritize so that I'm making sure that I execute on the important things. Now, if you want to learn more about journaling, I'm giving away my journaling system PDF for anyone who purchased or who has purchased a copy of Calling Up. Now, what's in this PDF? Simply a variety of ways in which you can build this habit into your life in a way that works for you, whether it be the start or end of your day, electronically or in a notebook, this PDF will help you build this ritual into your life. So by calling up, discovering your journey to transformational leadership today at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, send me an email with your receipt to jpnurbin, N-E-R-B-U-N, at thriveonchallenge.com and I'll send you the journaling system PDF. Thanks again. To Coach Will Ray, if you'd like to connect with him, his information is in the episode details and the podcast coaching notes PDF, which you can subscribe to at thriveonchallenge.com.